0: All right, this week we're going to move. Last week we did um, a gracious awakening and this whole series has been the awakening. And really the thrust behind everything is not really so much answering questions, though we have answered some questions. The major thrust and push behind the series is to help you to know how to find answers to questions. So how do we how do we go about thinking about these questions? How do we go about thinking about answering these questions? So when we get to a topic that is tough for us, or it's hard for us, or it, it creates in us some type of tension because we don't really know if we believe that or not. It's and it, and it really pushes against or it is, is seems contradictory to what we've always been taught. A lot of the times what we do when we come to a text like that, that would teach something about God that's hard to swallow, like the first subject that we covered, which was the sovereignty of God or the fact that predestination is found in the Bible, and we have to deal with that. When we get to that, we tend to do things like, well, I just don't think God would be that way. So that must not mean what it seems to mean. It must mean this. And what we've said throughout this series is is that you can't do that. You've got to stop doing that. When you come to that text, when you come to that scripture, what you must do is, is that you say, well, this seems to contradict what I believe. I must be the one that's wrong. I must be the one that changes. We don't change God's word. We change, we allow God's word to change us. And so we looked at some tough issues so far. Last week we looked at the tithe and giving, and we went into the Old Testament, and we kind of looked at a few aspects of the tithe and of the law, and where did it come from, what was it for, and that type of thing. And then we went into the New Testament. We said, okay, do we see this tithe uh, crossing those testamental borders, or does it cross over into the the Jesus era and the grace that he's shown? And we looked and we said, well, the Bible says that we've been released from the law, that, that the law has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and now there is a new law. And we don't live according to the written code or the written law, the law, the Levitical law, or the law of Moses, but we live according to the law of the Spirit or the law of Christ, the law of grace, the law of love. But by that, we don't throw away the law. We say, okay, then how do I understand how this applies to me? And we find that Jesus Christ takes the law and he takes it from the hands to the heart. And so he deepens the meaning of the law. So we are not obligated anymore to do a, uh, uh, just, just enough to get by that we would appease God somehow. But that God has appeased himself by offering his son, Jesus Christ, as the fulfillment of the law. And now since he has done that, we long to give. We long to obey. We long to follow. So we follow not now out of obligation and we've got to do these certain things. But we follow now and obey now out of our love for him. So we don't don't do what we're supposed to do to get him. We do what we're supposed to do because we got him. Does that make sense? And so now what we want to do is we want to move out of the gracious awakening because we looked at that last week. We want to go to a cultural awakening now. And this this part of the series will take a little bit more time than the gracious awakening because what I want to do is I want to look at different aspects of our culture and I want to say, okay, culture seems to say this about this topic, but what does the Bible say? Culture says that we are to act or accept this, this, and this. Well, what does the Bible say? And how are we then, if the Bible teaches what the Bible teaches, how then are we to relate? Are we to just fully accept what the world teaches? Or are we to just put a stone wall up and say, you're of the world, I can't have anything to do with you, and completely separate ourselves from the world, completely cut them off, you know, maybe. Move out to Ohio, buy a big farm, you know, get one of those little doilies, put it on our heads, you know, buy a lot of groceries, grow our own crops, have nothing to do with the world, wait on Jesus to come. You know, maybe that would be the best thing to do. Maybe we'll completely segregate ourselves from the world. Does the Bible teach that? What we want to do is say, this is what the world seems to look like, act like, and teach. Now, what does the Bible teach? We get what we get from the Bible And then we apply ourselves to the world. Let's pray before we get into it. (coughs) Excuse my cold, I'm sorry. Jesus, I pray that uh, you would go forth, that your word would go forth, and that it would go ahead and take a seat in people's hearts. I'm only a man, and uh, I can't convince anyone, but your word, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it can pierce all the way down to the intents of the heart. And so what I pray is that your word would go and do what it does best, and it would convict, and it would show and reveal the Son of God. And when people see the Son of God, I pray that they would turn, bow, submit to him, believe, and be washed away of every sin, and that they would be set apart for the rest of their life and the rest of eternity. We pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what I want to do today is I want to look at uh, what, like we have been this whole kind of... Um, pattern that we've been following about putting up guardrails and and what we've been doing is is saying, okay, this is what we know uh, and this is what we know. Now let's just stay right where we need to stay and stay focused on Jesus Christ because this is what I can promise you that in all of my studies, and all of my uh, uh, work, as I try to understand the scriptures and try to understand how uh, Jesus Christ is teaching us to interact with the world and to do this and that, what I've found is, is that most of the time, maybe every time that I can think of, now I'm not saying that it's every time because that's a huge statement, but Almost across the board, the truth of Jesus Christ and the truth of the Bible is almost always in the middle of two extremes. If you can find the extreme that says one thing and the extreme that says the other thing, and then look there in the middle, 99 times out of 100, you'll find the truth here we find the same exact thing. And and the way that I want to start this cultural awakening out is I want to talk to you about something that is very very pressing on you in particular, you as a person, and something that you're involved with. Okay, There's a lot of questions surrounding the whole idea that a church would have lights, that a church would have a band, that they would have a sound system, and that it would look in large part like a Come on, it's okay. Like a club. Get down for Jesus. You know? Is it okay? Is that? Are we pushing the envelope? Are we doing something wrong? Has your, Have you ever thought about that? If you haven't ever thought about that, then you need to do some thinking. I actually appreciate that. I can appreciate someone that loves their Jesus and wants to make sure that they are, are, are acting in a righteous and holy way, that they would come in here and they would say, oh, hmm. Is this okay? Is this okay? I, if, I, you know, I, I would be lying if I've never, when Michael Jackson, who, Michael, raise your hand, I'm gonna throw you under the bus right quick. Let everybody look back at Michael and say, Hey, Michael. Michael loves the lights. Michael is our light guy, and we've said, Michael, we love lights. They're okay. Calm down sometimes, because Michael be like, yeah, I'm getting into this. Pop, pop, pop. And I'll be praying, and it's like, not during the prayer, okay? And he's like, man, it was the lights. They're just doing that. Is it okay? Is it okay to... to Use lights, and obviously we've come to the conclusion that it is. I want to give you a biblical precedent of why we have come to this, so maybe it'll ease some of your minds. Because I have been told before that I love the church, but the lights make me go, oh my! Oh, is this okay? Is this okay? I'm here for the preaching. I don't know about the other. That's not okay. You need to be okay to worship God. I don't know why you wouldn't like our music because I think it's phenomenal and it lifts up the name of Christ, we're going to get into, is it okay to rock out? Is it okay to jam? Is it okay to, what's too far? Is there a too far? Okay. So this is some things I want to look at, but now I want to also examine the other side of it because there's a whole nother side that says, absolutely not, that you've got to do it this way. Well, is that the way to do it? Do we need to take these things out and put some stained glass over here? Do we need to get Mark up on the roof to hold and be the steeple, you know? Do we need a steeple? Do we need pews? Do we we need to get rid of these chairs? Do we need to go back to hymns? Because a lot of people say this is the only way. A lot of people say this is the only way. Let's examine what the Bible says, okay? Let's examine what the Bible says, if it says anything about it at all, okay? Did I already pray? Okay, let's get into the Word. I think I might need to pray again. <clears throat> All right, we're going to look at several different scriptures that, that kind of uh, talk to how we are to relate to the world, okay? Because I do believe that that has some to do with what we're doing here and what they're doing there, okay? And I will say this, that we're on the same team. Some don't think so. Some think, some think that we're a cult and that we, you know, worship some kind of you know, something crazy. But if you've been here, if you've heard the messages, we talk about Jesus every week. That don't bother me because that is a judgment and they've, you know, they've judged a book by its cover. They've not looked at anything. But what, the, what, what I want to look at is, is that why do we seem to go to these extremes and where should we be, okay? What's okay, what's not okay, and let's stick to the Bible and let's do that. So the first thing I want to look at is, and we have three things today, and this will actually be a fairly quick sermon, is that we want to know, are we to segregate integrate, or might it be infiltrate? And I had these in for you, but the computer crashed. Satan's really working hard this morning. We're not going to let him win. Are we to segregate? You can write that down. That is what? Segregation, you know, from racism type stuff. It's a complete separation. Complete separation. We don't have anything to do with those people, okay? Are we to segregate from the world and completely separate from everyone in the world and say, we're we're not going to talk to you. We're not going to look like you. If you wear black, I'm wearing white. If you wear closed-toed, I'm wearing sandals, baby. Okay? Is that how we... Are we to segregate and cut off the world and say we are not, we are not dealing with you whatsoever? Or are we to integrate and say we're going to fall li- right in line with the world. We still love our Jesus and, and, you know, we get down with Jesus. But what you believe is okay and you do what you want to do and your truth is your truth and, and my truth is my truth and we can live in perfect harmony. I'm not going to ever tell you that you're wrong. We're going to be one. I look just like you. You look just like me. We're okay. We just believe a little differently, okay? Are we to segregate, complete cutoff, or integrate, complete joining together? There's no difference in us, just what we say. Or might there be another option that splits those two, and are we to infiltrate? Infiltrate. It's going to be fun, and you already know, okay? Okay. All right, so Romans chapter 12, those that would say <coughs> that we are to segregate, a lot of the times use this scripture here, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The first part of that verse says, Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. So, those, that, and there's other scriptures that we could go to, you know, for time's sake. This is the teaching that we will apply that those that want to say that we are to segregate and completely separate would say that Romans chapter tw- chapter 12 verse 2 along with others says that we are not to conform to this world we are to be different we are to be set apart we are to look nothing like them so you need to pull yourself completely out of the world take a look at how the world is doing it on the outside take a look at what they wear take a look at what they do take a look at what they say take a look at what they're involved in take a look at what the things that they like and whatever that is do the complete opposite okay be completely separated from them have nothing to do with them whatsoever okay now this is an extreme position but I've seen it taught many times several times it happens a lot in very fundamental extreme right uh, conservative churches that if that's what they wanted that's fine but this this teaching kind of emerges that we don't do any, if it looks and thinks or even smells like the world, we have nothing to do with that whatsoever. They, we, are not, we are not with them, okay? So they'll use this and they'll say, this is, this is what the Bible teaches. But what I wanna, what I want to do is I want to offer to you some scripture that, <coughs> that seems... To at least tell us that it can't be that extreme. I just want to read some scripture here to you, and we will kind of open that up a little bit and look, and we'll just go as the Lord leads. I want you to open your Bible to John chapter 17, verses 6 through 18. John chapter 17, verses 6 through 18. Now, the, the extreme right or the, the very fundamental would say that we've got to segregate or separate ourselves from the world in every aspect. We can't have anything to do with them. Uh, completely pull out, okay? But, but I want to read the scripture to you, and then, then I want to just kind of open it up a little bit, and we'll, we'll unpack it a little. In verse 6, it says, I have, This is Jesus speaking himself. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. So there's that idea that these people are out of this world. They're not not of this world. Uh, I have have manifested your name to the people uh, whom you gave me out of the world. Uh, Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and, and they have kept your word. So they belong to God, not the world. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. And, that ha- and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world. Now we do see here that there is a distinction between those who believe and have received the truth and the world okay now john 3:16 says god for god so loved the world that's the world of people that's the world of his of his whom he created that is the world that he gave his only son but there is now a distinction between the world as a whole and those that he has selected, those he has, he has called, those who have chosen him, those who have been born again by receiving the word of Jesus Christ. We'll see that here. So we see the distinction. I just want to see that, that the right does have some kind of grounds here, that there is a distinction between the world and the believer. But let's keep on. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. They're different than the world. They belong to us, okay? All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Now, where are they? They're in the world, okay? Now, follow with me here. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So they are in the world, but they are to be kept. He is asking the Father to keep them in his name while they're in the world. Now, just keep keep following, keep following. That they may be one, even as we are one. So we see this type of protective custody that they are in the world, but they are kept while they're in the world in the name, in this oneness that seemingly separates them from the world, okay? Let's keep on going. Now listen to this. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in them themselves. I wish I could get into this, but what we see here is this, while because many of you are, you get eat up by the world. You get eaten, slam up by the world. It chews you up, gnaws you up, spits you out. You come back in here on Sunday like this. And you get filled back up and you go back out. I've come in here like that. I was in here like that last Sunday. You know, my wife was probably sitting beside me going, oh, my God. You know, because I was like this. I was like one of those ugly cries. You know, you ever done an ugly cry? You know? And that's okay sometimes because we need to feel our weakness because when we are weak, he is strong. But you see this, this I wish I could go into it. I really can't. But I will say this. What he's saying here is that I have come that you would be filled up full. And while you are here in the world and you're, the world's waging war on you and it hates you and it's gnawing at you and pulling you down and hating you and despising you, you're over there like this. It's all right. It's all good. Go ahead on. Get a vibe. Jesus got me. Jesus has got me. Now, he says, <clears throat> but, I, but now I am coming to you. So he's going to the Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. <clears throat> so we are in the world, but we are not what? Of the world. Now, what does that even mean? When I saw what this meant in the original language, I was like, praise the Lord. I'll show you that. It's good stuff. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, that's important. They are not of the world, just like I'm not of the world. We're the same not of the world. Okay? Now, how is Jesus not of the world? We'll get into that in a second. I do Now listen, here is our key verse for everything right here. When we look at the idea of segregation or separation from the world completely, we have to consider this verse. Now we have seen that there is a distinction, there is, between a believer and one who is of the world. Okay, we know that there is a distinction. But now what is the connection, if there is any, and what is the interaction, if there is any, with this world that we're in, but not of? How do we deal with this? And, and should we completely separate because Romans twelve two says, do not be conformed to this world? Well, let's apply this right here. Uh, John 17, 15 says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. He could have said, Lord, get them out of here, because I'm not here anymore. The world's going to devour them. Uh, They're going to start emulating the world, and you got to get them out of here, Lord. Get them out of here, Father. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Keep them in the world, but guard them, because they're going to need it. He goes even further. Listen to what he says. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. Oh, here's where it gets real good. Now, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Leave them in it. But please guard them from the evil one. Now, listen to this. Here's where we're really going to learn how we are to be in this world. Sanctify them in the truth. Now, this is just the word of God. Isn't it good? Isn't the word good? I don't, we don't have to tell a bunch of stories. The word of God is just good, right? We, we just read it. This is so good. As you sent, listen, here it is. Listen to this. Verse 18 tells you anything you need to know. Jesus says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate or set myself apart that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Okay, now, so to answer this question and to look, okay, how should I feel about this? One church is telling me who I think loves Jesus. One church is telling me that we've got to completely separate ourselves from the world. We don't have anything to do with them. We we may go over and whisper to them, but we got to get away from you because you might make me dirty. We'll go and we'll knock on the door, drop a track, and gone, baby. Peace. You won't find me in a bar. You won't find me anywhere like that. You won't find me anywhere. You ain't going to find me in a sinner's house. Just imagine somebody saw me walking out of that crackhead's house. I just hit every one of y'all in the mouth, didn't I? (sighs) See, I used to be a crackhead. Don't bother me at all, I promise you. One time, no, let me take that back. I just, that was a very prideful remark, wasn't it? It has bothered me before. Let me, let me, let me confess, God, can can, is it okay? There used to be a bar out here <coughs> called Paul's Place, right? Paul's Place. Boy, I shot some pool in there lots of times. But it was so small, you had to get a little stick, well, after the Lord changed my life, he had changed my life for a little while. And I remember one day, uh, I was talking to this guy. And he was, he was you know, a drunk. You know, I can't even remember who it was now. But I remember this clearly because it was so impactful on me. I was talking to this guy and I was like, Hey, man, uh, won't you come to... to I was, at the time, I was leading a men's group over at Fairview Baptist Church. And I was like, Hey, man, won't you come to men's group with me sometime? You know, just trying to reach out, trying to trying to touch base with somebody, trying to be a light in a dark place. Why not you come to men's group with me sometime? And uh, he said, yeah, I might try that out. And uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. He was like, uh, will not you come shoot pool with me sometime? And I remember well, where you shoot at. Paul's place over here. I'm usually over there every day about 5.30, 6 o'clock. You know, I said what, any, you know, what I would have said then. You know, I was like, yeah, man, I'll check you out sometime. And I'll never forget the day I was riding by there. And I rode towards Tron. It's, it's on the left there. I was riding towards Tron. He was out in the front. He waved as I was going by. And I waved as I went by. And I knew that I, the, the Lord was saying, stop and shoot some pool with him. You know what went through my mind? But Lord, I don't do that lifestyle anymore. If somebody sees me there, they're going to think that I do that stuff now. If they see me walking into that bar, they're gonna think. Now, if you're an alcoholic in the room, I'm not telling you to pick up bar ministry, okay? All right, experience freedom, be set free. We'll talk about it some more. But the Lord said you need to start. You want him to come? You want him to come hear your truth? You want him to? You want him to trust what you say? Then you go shoot a little pool with him. Go on his turf. Go where he is. I rode on by. But Lord. On the way back by, the Lord just like punched me in the jaw. He's got a mean right hook, right? So I was like, pulled in there, stopped the truck. I got out and like, you know, like Jonah, you know, and spit up out of the well. I'm walking in Paul's place. I'm like, give me the stick. (laughs) But I was able to talk to that guy and relate to that guy and get on his level. And he did end up coming to the the men's group. And I'm not sure what all happened after that. It's been a long time ago, but... Are you are, are we too good? Are you scared? Are you what, what are you what are you waiting on? Is the is the extreme right? Are they right? Should we completely separate? Should we should we make sure we've got our suit and tie and everything's nice and neat and buttoned? I'm not against suit and ties. I wear some here sometimes just to blow y'all's mind. <laughs> I don't care. Okay, let me end with that because I need to move on because I'm going to show you the other side of it too. But I'm telling you right now that that that's not completely right. I'm not not giving you my opinion. The Bible just said that we are to be in the world, that we're not to be of the world, but we are to be in it. We got to deal with it. We, We are to be transforming agents dropped in behind enemy lines. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's look at, okay, so are we to be completely segregated, separated, cut off from the world altogether? I don't think that the Bible really teaches that. I do believe that it teaches us not to conform to the image of this world. I do believe that it sets us apart as being different from the world that we're in. But now how, okay, if it's not that we're to be completely separated with our backs turned to the world, then how are we to know what we are to do? Now, before I answer that question, so to speak, I want to look at one other position, and that is the other position that a lot of churches like ours have adopted. Now, I really, I can understand why the extreme right fundamental churches kind of have a problem with us when we first came into this area because let's give it to them. There are a lot of churches that are like ours that have went too far the other direction. I mean, let's just admit, let's be honest. I mean, we got, and I'm not calling out any church but we got churches doing some very questionable things. At any cost, we get them in the door at any cost, whatever it means. We don't preach hard truth. We, we, we dumb down the message. We water it down. We tell them, you you can believe what you want to believe. We've got churches that are allowing homosexuals to be ministers and preach from the pulpit. We're allowing all this world to infiltrate us instead of us infiltrating them. So it's, you should give room for that. You should give room for that. As a matter of fact, anybody, like I told you, anybody that wanted to be righteous and holy and live according to the Bible would look and say, I don't know, it's got to be tested. But you better test that one too. Because let me say this before I get into this right here. You know, by far, when Jesus looks at something on the outward appearance, which ones does he look at? Those that appear to be really, 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 really holy. As a matter of fact, he looked at the Pharisees and says, Oh, you look good, but you're like whitewashed tombs. You sparkle on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. We got to give a little bit of room for that because this what, this next position I'll see you see. We've got to ask, should we segregate and completely separate or should we integrate and completely join in with? And the left, the far left would be the ones that would be likely to do this. So everything goes, everything's okay. If you want to do this or if you want to do that, the world teaches this, let's embrace that. Come on in here. Let me give you a hug. You that We do that here. Yes, we do. We do anything you want to do as long as you come and let us talk to you. You do whatever you you want to do. Is full integration then the key? Because those have a verse too. The far left have a verse as well. So if you want to flip over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and and people use the Bible to do all types of things. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. Uh, Let's start here. (coughs) Uh, Let's start in verse... 20. Let's start in verse 19. For though this is Paul speaking to uh, the Corinthians, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not my not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become, listen, here it is. I, this is the verse that they use uh, the most. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. So that verse, if we just rip it right out of context and we just take that verse and and put it in a little bubble and we set it up and we use it as our motto, then it might well lead us to the conclusion that we just do whatever we want, whenever we want, as long as we can reach somebody with the message of Jesus Christ. That we give up whatever we can. It doesn't matter. We throw everything to the side and we say, just come, just come. Whatever you want, we'll give it to you. Whatever you want to believe, we'll let you hear it. We'll, We'll tickle your ears. He talks about another. We'll tickle you. Now, is this the way we are to do it? Are we to integrate? Are we to give up everything? Are we to just marry the world and say, we're good. We love you so much that we just want to just hug you and love you. And we will never say a mean word to you segregation, integration. It seems to be one of these two primarily are yelled all the time. And the two are shooting back and forth at one another. I'll tell you, our greatest criticism have always been from other churches, this church. We just, we we want to be right so bad that we'll throw anybody under the bus at any time. Mankind has this problem. So we look and we say, okay, the Bible teaches us not to conform to this world. But the Bible also teaches us that we are to be all things to all men. To the weak I became weak. To the strong I became strong. To those under the law, like one under the law, even though I'm not under the law. Just so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, just like one of them. Even though I'm not outside the law, I'm under the law of Christ. But I want to win those outside the law, so I became like them. Okay? So what's the truth? Again, that line right down the middle of this sanctuary has proven time and time again to help me, because right there it is. Now let's go back. Let's consider once again John chapter 17. I think the truth. I think the truth is in both of those, but we can skew those. Let's look again at John chapter 17, verses six through 18. I'm not going to read them all again. I want to touch on a couple of keys, and then I want to hit one major point out of these verses and then I want to tie it up with uh, looking at Jesus, right? We got to take it to Jesus. He's the center mark. So let's look, let's start this time. Let's don't start the way back at the back, but let's say, okay, are we to fully integrate? <coughs> I don't think so. Let's start in verse 10. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So even though we are in the world, we are further or deeper or more prominently in Christ. In God. So he says, keep them in your name. What name is that? The name above every name, the one name given under heaven by which you can be saved, Jesus Christ. So we are kept in the name of Christ. So though we are in the world, we are not of the world, we are of Christ, you see. And so that is the distinguishing factor. So we are in the world, but we are we are more in Christ. We are of Jesus. And he keeps on, he says even as even that you would uh, that they may be one even as we are one while I was with them I kept them in your name Which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the Son of Destruction, that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth your word is the truth here it is as you have sent me into the world so I have sent them into the world as you have sent me into the world I have sent them into the world now I do want to show you one thing here and then I'll and then I'll move into Jesus in in the Greek language and I'm not going to get into a bunch of that because it's kind of confusing it's really confusing but In the Greek language, you can take one word, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day. They're talking about translations, and everybody's like, King James only. And every time I say, why King James only? I get this answer all the time, because it's as close to the Greek as you can possibly get. That's not true. It's just plain not true. If you want to use King James, you use it, but that's not true. In Greek, word order doesn't matter. Uh, And I won't spend a lot of time on this, but if I say to you in English, the boy hit the ball, then word order really matters in English because we know who's doing what and who's being hit. The boy hit the ball. So who hit who? The boy hit the ball. If I just trade two words, the ball hit the boy, is that a different sentence? Absolutely. Now we got a crying young one on our hands. <laughs> right? Well, one time he's smiling, the other time he's crying. Right? In Greek, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. In Greek, you have endings and all this type of stuff. And the only reason I say that is this, is that... We, I want to show you something here that is absolutely huge in our understanding. When he says that they are not of the world like I am not of the world, that of the world, it is an ending that would show, an, it's called an ablative of source. Now, you don't care a word, what that means, but let me tell you why you should. Because when it says of the world, it's not talking about being here in the world. It's talking about your source. It's talking about where you originate. It's talking about the power that carries you forward. You see, you're in the world, but you are not kept by the world. You are not empowered by the world. You are not released by the world. You are not taught by the world. You are of God. You see, you are empowered by God. You are infiltrated by God. You are taught by God. You are moved by God. You are led by God. It is by God that you move. You have a supernatural source that keeps you ignited. Unlike this world. You're in it, but you're not of it. You did not come from it. You come from somewhere else. You're altogether different. That's more exciting than your acting. I know that. You get what I'm telling you? If you or I, either one, are in this room, we're like, ooh, ooh, then you have not tapped into that power. This power is like, Swoar! I'm telling you, when you, let's say it this way. When you tap into the power of God, you won't have to tell them how different you are. When you tap into God, you won't have to say, now make sure you dress right, boy. You won't have to say, we got to get this light work. We got to get these lights working. We got to get these. we got to get this, we got to get, get it blacked out in here because Holy Spirit won't move it. No. Huh? He's not contingent on stained glass windows or blacked out windows. He's not contingent on hymns or contemporary He's not contingent on a a good charismatic speaker or a monotone, deaf, and mute, dumb person. He does what he does with power. And when God is involved, it doesn't matter what it looks like. So now let's take a look at that. How does God do it then? And how should we do it? You see, it says, just as as you have sent me, I have sent them. Just as you have sent me, I have sent them. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. I'm excited to show you this because this should change everything. This should change everything for you. There's so much more I want to show you. I want to show you, you can write these down if you want to remember them. Go to Acts chapter 17. Watch how Paul talks to the Areopagus. You know, he's we say we shouldn't, we shouldn't have anything to do with the world. We shouldn't, we shouldn't mess with those lights. That's, that's the club scene over there. You watch Paul walk up in the Areopagus and say, I see your culture here. Let me use it now to tell you about my God. You see, he's a redeemer. He even quotes one of their poets. He said, Let me t- I see you've got one here Mark, the unknown God. Your culture is all over this place. Let me use your culture and your language and your poet to tell you about my God. I, I really, I mean, I like our lights. I think they're really cool. They're not not necessary. They're a tool. They're a tool to glorify God. That's why you don't look at the cover to judge the book. You get down in it, you look. Do the words glorify God? Does the word of God come forth? So how is Jesus saying, how does does he go forth? Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. Let's all stand to our feet in the bank and come on up and kind of start playing right here. I'm I'm about to wrap this bad boy up. See, the Bible tells us very clearly that we're not called to segregate. We're not called to integrate, but we're called to infiltrate. You see, Paul speaks in the book of Corinthians of that we don't wage war like the world wages war because our weapons are not of this world. But we, we take hold of arguments, and we destroy strongholds. You see, what we do, we are redeemers, just like Christ. And we take that which the world has twisted and, 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 and mutilated and made to do one thing, and we say, let me take that now, just like Paul did in the Areopagus. We say, let me take that now, and let me show you God through it. Let me take what is broken, busted, and disgusted, and let me transform it by the renewal through the word of God and by the renewal through the children of God, and let me now show you Jesus Christ in it. Let me take what the world uses as evil, and let me show you that God meant it for good. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 say this. Let's go back to verse 5. Because that's got a command in it. And let's, chat, let's tie 5 to 18 in John chapter 17. He says, as I have sent you, or as he has sent me, now I am sending you. And listen to this command in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, You see those who would say that we need to segregate. Go ahead guys do something. Those that say we would need to segregate they would say you don't need to look like the world. You don't need to smell like the world. You don't need to act like the world. You don't need to go anywhere near the world because they would rub off on you. Come on guys! God himself looked, acted, smelled and and, and took on this nastiness right here. He walked right up in the middle of it. And he took on the form of a servant to do what God had called him to do. If we got to put in lights, put in lights. If we need to take them out because the crowd we reach, take them out. If we need to knock these black things off the walls and paint something on us so some light can shine in, let the light shine in. I don't care. Do you care? Jesus Christ didn't care what he looked like. He didn't care what he smelled like. He didn't care who he was hanging around with. As a matter of fact, he hung around with sinners. Tax collectors. I'm going to tell you right now, this center is glad. Because this guy up here may have the longest rap sheet in here. I've done crack. I've done meth. I've smoked more weed. It would choke you. I've, I've, I've drunk and drunk and drunk myself into stupors. I've made a fool out of myself more times than I can count. I've wrecked automobiles that there's no way I should have survived. But Jesus Christ held the wheel. I've been in fights before that I should have not made it out of. I've been in fights before that the other guy shouldn't have made it out of and I should have spent life in prison. But Jesus Christ loved me and He guarded me. You looking at somebody right now that if God wouldn't have become like me, if God hadn't infiltrated my life, if He hadn't looked like me, if He hadn't came to me in a way that He could sympathize with me, then I wouldn't be here, guys. So let me tell you something. You go ahead. You go ahead and you you, you say, I can't go over there because I'm too good. You go ahead. I, you say, I can't, I gotta look this way or I gotta look that way. A church has got to be like this or a church has got to be like that. You go ahead. You tell me how many you reach. And when you do reach them, you'll only reach them because they already think they're good enough for God. You want to reach the people for God. You don't segregate and you don't integrate. Because Jesus Christ, though he took on that form of a a slave, though he became a man, he he, he, he went through every temptation just like me and you. Yet he did not sin. There is the key, guys. When God calls you to go to the bar, you go to the bar, but you don't get drunk. When God calls you to go to the club, you go to the club, but you light it up for Christ. Christ. If God calls you, if God calls you to go somewhere, you go. I don't care where it is, but you speak of Jesus. And you like Paul, you like a spy dropped in behind enemy lines. You go in and you know you're looking for whatever you might can use. You driving in a tow truck, you say, What does this thing do? It pulls cars. Well, let me tell you about my Jesus who pulled me out of the grave. Woo! You know, you go into the club, you dance beside somebody, say, why you dance? Because the music's playing. Why you dancing? Man, God saved my soul. Woo! Yeah. Right? Come on. It ain't about none of this. We got to get down for Jesus, okay? And if you want a traditional church, then go to a traditional church. You want? I don't care. I really don't. I really don't. I really don't. What are you doing with Jesus? Don't be afraid to go. I don't care what they might think. Don't be afraid to go. It's all about him. If you're here today and you thought that you needed to dress a certain way, look a certain way, smell a certain way, grow up a certain way, let me tell you right now. If I can preach up here, anybody is welcome in this church. This is one pastor who has no cape. And I didn't just forget it at home. Guys, I was broken, and I'm still broken, but I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Yeah. So as we, we're going to have an invitation, and if nothing else, you come and you thank God that he wasn't too good to come to you, that he used the means that was necessary to get to you. Now, this is Speculation. but I guarantee you today if Jesus walked in this door and he saw see all of this this is not for sure this is for this is for the glory of God and somebody this was their gift it's not mine but somebody this was their gift you know who made this question Marks right here? Mike Morse you think I, I can't cut a straight line I cut down trees I'm in destruction not construction he did that for the glory of God not so it could be fancy, huh? Ain't that good? This drum box right here—this was built by someone. Someone took the time to do that. Wesley and uh and Wesley. <laughs> All these chairs—they're put together by the hands of men. Hey, man, you want to be nice and clean? Don't don't get comfortable here. I'm trying just as hard as I can to go get dirty if you don't like that I don't know what to tell you I mean my wife's like don't tell them to leave I'm just saying this ain't the place for you maybe, maybe I'm not. you pray about getting dirty my wife don't like to get dirty look how pretty she is right but we're going to get dirty together for Jesus right pray about it anyway okay guys it don't matter what it looks like Matters what the heart is. In 1 Samuel 217, 6, 617. 1 Samuel. It says that while man looks at the outward appearance, God looks where? Lindsay? At the heart. You got it, girl. That's what I'm talking about. 167. Thank you, Ham Bone, for calling me out on that. I love you too. 167. Man, let's on the outward appearance. God, let's the heart. Brother, let me tell you right now, it don't matter what you've done. It don't matter how dirty you are. His blood washes away all sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Respond to him today. The front is open. After that, go back to your seats. We're going to have the Lord's Supper, and we're going to remember his broken body and his blood poured out for your old, dirty, sinful tale. Okay?